That's good. If you were, if you listen to or hear the first service, I made a little Bob Seger joke. So that's that's awesome. The last last service, the walk up music was so dramatic. I'm like, I can't top that. So need to tone down the drama just a little bit. Hey, welcome everybody. Um, Guys, if you're, if you're out there online, wherever you are, welcome. If you're here in-house, a special welcome to you visiting for the first time or maybe in a long time, welcome to you guys. I, I love looking out and seeing people here. This is, it's such, it's actually what my message is about today, is about gathering together. So just a little spoiler alert, that's where we're going today. Um, but welcome, again, no matter where you are. Just so glad that you took the time to check in with us and, and to come, and, and I hope the worship has, has uplifted your spirit a little bit, and I hope that this message will do the same thing. This has been something, it's been a difficult series. If you've missed, uh, now we're in a, a, for us, a very short series, just three weeks, but it's all about giving, and that is a an awkward thing for me. Some pastors, they just flow in that and teaching about giving and talking about giving to the church um, is just automatic and it's a part of what they do. That's never been me. It's always been something that I found a little bit awkward. And part of that is because my own background growing up, um, coming from a church as a small kid, seeing how my parents reacted to the church, essentially strong arming them into giving more and more. And I saw that, and I saw their reaction to it, and, and I thought, I don't, I don't ever want to be like that. And then when I got my chance to, to lead a church and to teach on those sorts of things, I said, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to. We put offering boxes in the back. You heard Pastor Gabe talk about the ways to give, and, and we make ways, and we dedicate that to the Lord, and we lift it up to Him. But that's the end of it. I don't ever want to be that church that passes the bucket because then, you know, you're always looking to see what the guy next to you put in. Or and if you don't want to put it like, well, I have a ticket stub from a concert last night. I'll put that in there. People will think that's money. You know, and that sort of thing happens. I think that giving ought to be between you and the Lord. And I still believe that. God is our provider. But here's the problem. In doing that, in having that mindset, I have not been preaching the full counsel of God. The full counsel of God talks about generosity in in terms of financial giving, but also giving of yourself, your heart. And that sometimes that's a harder energy to give is that that comes from your heart, your free time. Free time, especially in this society, is so precious. Who here has an abundance of free time? Just about nobody. Well, one person. There's always the exception to that rule. But in many ways, our free time and our, our, our personal space is more precious to us almost than our finances sometimes. So I'm going to teach a message today. We're going to continue that. But before I get to that idea, I want to recap the last couple of weeks. Now, I'm not going to recap them in depth. So if you've missed the last couple weeks and this is something that strikes a chord in your heart, please go back. You can go to our website, discovercommunity.church, and watch them through there or Facebook or YouTube, and you can catch them. I'll go over more detail there. But there is, and I talked about this last week, if you're in any kind of the communication fields, there's there's a rule. It's called the rule of seven. And basically it says that you need to hear the same message seven times, preferably in seven different ways, before it will finally stick in your head. I think we're a little better than that. I think we're a little more in tune to that. Um, But I want to at least give it a few times. So I want to recap what I've been talking about. And here's here's what I have been talking about. I told you, I shared very openly a couple weeks ago, that this church had reached a point of being in a financial crisis. Okay, again, it's not something I need, I like to talk about. It's something that I need to talk about. We had reached that point. We had spent the first three years of our existence um, doing well, but then COVID hit, and COVID just threw a wrench in everything. Many people have lost businesses, lost their livelihoods, lost their jobs, lost different things because of that. Um, and this body, this church, Discover Community, has suffered right along with you. Now, we never stopped meeting. We continued to meet. 
And in fact, some of our expenses went up. Our live streaming, we, we ramped that up. Our food pantry, we did more and more of that, more outreach. So in the midst of people actually pulling back from in-person attendance, people saying, my job, my life, my finances, they're kind of uncertain. So I'm going to pull back and maybe even either pause or decrease my giving to the church. Right in the middle of all that, we're actually spending more to continue the outreach that we're doing, that we've been called to do as a church. And at some point, that decrease in funds and that increase in spending kind of overlapped. And we reached a point a couple weeks ago where I had a difficult conversation with our accountant who said, who said, we really don't have enough funds in the bank to make it beyond the end of this month. That was a tough thing to hear. Because I believe so strongly in the mission that God gave us. To hear that it all just wasn't necessarily going to work out. Now, I trust in God. I trust, I still trust our Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. In fact, he is our sole provider. But the problem with that is that if I don't teach the whole counsel of God, which includes generosity and giving and supporting one another and supporting his church, then it's easy to either forget about it or minimize it in our lives, or maybe worse yet, just be misled on what that really means. And there's so much misunderstanding out there, which I think is one reason it's so awkward to talk about that. But we had reached that point, and I no longer had a choice. I had to teach on that subject, that idea of giving and generosity. And so an update for those of you who are engaged in this, and maybe you heard this the first couple weeks or, or not, God has responded. His people have responded in a miraculous way. It has been, yes, amen, and thank you, Jesus. It has been incredible. The, now, I don't want to say we're out of the woods yet. You don't, and conventional wisdom is don't tell people it's all going to be okay because then they'll just go, oh, well, then they don't need me. That is absolutely not the case. We're not out of the woods yet. I'll share a little bit more of the details with you here in just a minute. But even more important than seeing the funds come in to continue doing what we're doing have been these incredible series of what Pastor Gabe calls God winks. Little things that God has done and said to us, spoken to us through people, introductions he's made, visitors that randomly have showed up here um, with so much encouragement, so much just miraculous encouragement that has happened it's encouraging to us because we sit and look and we go, okay, the, the funds are coming in. We can pay our rent. We can pay our bills next month. We can continue. But even more than that, it shows us that God says, well done. You're doing a good job. I want this church to continue. And we have that assurance now because it's not only just that the people who go here who are able said, okay, I'll I'll give a little bit extra to help the church over this hump. That has been miraculous in itself. But even more than that, people we don't even know. We were looking over the list of, of who has been giving and just so that we can keep tabs on where we are so I can give you all an update. And there were so many names on there that were like, do you know this person? I don't. Do you? I don't. And we find out through a little bit of research and a little digging, they're in other states, other places entirely. But God has put it on their hearts to give to the mission that we have here at this church. And that's been so incredibly encouraging. So I am excited. It would be great if I could just tell you that, hey, the minute we were faced with a crisis, I said, yay. Yay, a crisis. That'll give God an opportunity to work and we get to see it. I should have done that. But I'm human. It's impossible it's impossible just to entirely just go, this is going to be great. You know what it took is people just randomly coming to me and saying, you know what? It's going to be awesome. Because when you see the faithfulness of God's people and you see the miracles that he can and still does every single day, when you see that play out in front of you, what an incredible thing it's going to be for everybody involved. And so we've been able to see that. 
And so we are so encouraged. Our staff is encouraged. This church not only is going to continue their mission, but we are going to push forward, and we're going to do more, and we're going to double down on what God has called us to do, and it's going to be an amazing year. And we all get to share in that. But there's still some hurdles to get over. So I want to tell you where we are. So I said at the beginning of this month, we only had enough in the bank to make it to the end of this month. Then there wasn't enough to continue beyond that. So what had happened is with the decline of giving, we've never had a giant budget. We've never been one of those churches that just had this massive budget. But we overall, from a couple years ago when we set our budget as a new church to now, it had gone down an average of about $4,000 a month. Now, that may not seem insurmountable, but when you stretch that over a year, okay, I'm not a mathematician, but I think that's $48,000. we have never had even half of that in the bank as a reserve. So it didn't take very long to get to that point where all of a sudden we don't have any reserves left, not only that, enough to go forward. So what we did, what needs to be done, number one, we hit our knees in prayer, just crying out to God and saying this, God, if, if you want this church to continue, if you want us to continue in the vision and mission that you gave us, that burden that you put on our hearts to take this church and make it something that matters to our community, if that's going to happen, Lord, you have to come through. That's number one. Secondly, like any, any household or any business that has any kind of a budget shortfall, you look at it and you decrease spending where you can. You look at those things that you can cut off. Do we have any fluff, any extravagances, anything like that that we can cut or decrease? And so we've been doing that. We've been looking at the budget and trimming fat and doing the things that we can wherever possible. I want to share with you a cool story, though. Last week, I said one of the things we're, we're decreasing, we're not cutting it, but we are decreasing for the time being, um, our live stream capability. So we've got the cameras, and we live stream all over the world. We do that every single service, but it's also produced, meaning it two cameras and angles and close-ups and those sorts of things. That costs a certain amount each, each service. And so what we've decided to do is we've decided to postpone that, or to postpone is the wrong word, but to, to decrease down to where we're just live streaming from a single point camera. Okay, and So we still get the message out there. But maybe that extravagance of having that is, is curtailed for a little bit. But one of the things I said is if you're out there, and I'm still saying that, if you're out there online and you're watching us and you rely on the live stream. So there are people who physically just cannot make it out of the house. There are people who work weird schedules, and so maybe they're watching it late at night because it's the only time they can. I get that. That's why we live stream. We don't do it to make it easy to stay at home in your pajamas drinking a coffee, and not coming to church. That's not why we do it. But I said, if you rely on that, let us know. Put it in the chat boards. Put some kind of note, email, something, so that we know that it matters to you that we live stream. And we got a couple people checking in here and there. But then on, I think it was Thursday. Was it Thursday? I think it was Thursday. I got a phone call. I'm sitting at my desk in here, and I'm working. And I don't know about you, but I get what seems like a million spam phone calls every single day. Some of them are numbers like, that could be a legit number, I don't really know. Some of them come up all zeros or one, two, three, four, five, and you're just like, okay, I know that that's not legit, right? So I get this phone call and it's like 00 29 243. And I'm like, okay, this is so, I just, I decide I'm gonna answer it anyway, and I'm feeling kind of, a smart aleck. And I pick up the phone and I go, I go, what? <laughs> How many of you know the time you pick up the phone and answer it like that? So what I hear on the other end of the line is, greetings, Pastor Bob from Tanzania. This is Pastor Epaphras Milale. And I want to give you greetings. I'm like, oh no. Can you call back? And let me answer it the way that I should answer it. So I'm talking to him, and here's what's going on there. Pastor Malali and your congregation, welcome. If you're watching us this service, I don't know which one you watch, 
but welcome to all of you from Littleton, Colorado. What happens is he calls me and he says, he says, I wanted to encourage you because our congregation in Tanzania was watching your message. And he translates, it's, they speak Swahili. And so he translates to Swahili there. And he goes, it was a difficult message, but you did such a good job. You brought life to it. You made it a life-giving message that is so difficult. And we shared that with our congregation. And he asked me, can I do that? Are you okay if I do that in the future, if I share your messages and we watch them? Like, absolutely. But how amazing is it? And what an encouragement for me just to go, not only do we matter in, in our building, but we matter outside of it. And we matter around the world. The things that we do, our worship was seen all over the world. I love those things. So yes, those kind of things do matter. And it's just those little bits of encouragement that let me see like, yes, we need to continue doing this. It's what God has called us to do. So in the middle of trimming our budget or looking for those places where we can, we also need to increase our operating fund. We need to do that. That's where these one-time gifts that I've been asking for, those have made such an incredible difference. And those those gifts have enabled us to then be able to say, okay, this is going to happen. We're going to make it. And we can now look at what are we going to do for Christmas? What are we going to do for Easter? It's hard to plan for those sorts of things when you don't know what's happening tomorrow. But we also need to quickly then rebuild our reserves. Maybe more accurately, build a reserve. We've always been that manna from heaven kind of a church and We need to have some reserves so that we can weather little things like that. So our short-term goal, again, don't like to talk about money, but I'm going to throw out a dollar amount so that we're all on the same page. Our short-term goal is two months of operating budget, which is $63,750. Okay, seems like a lot. We're making great progress in it already. But our long-term goal is even greater than that. It's to either purchase this building or our own standalone building. It's to push forward and do more missions, both local missions, worldwide missions. We want to expand. You don't win a battle. You don't take ground for the kingdom of God by sitting back, hunkering down, and saying, I hope the storm passes over. That's not how you win a battle. You win a battle by getting up, dusting yourself off, and moving forward forcefully into the new thing that God has for you. If God is calling you to do missions, you move forward into that. If he's calling you to local, you do that. But you do not just sit and stand by and just go, I hope the rocks quit falling on my head. You get up and you move forward. And that's what we're going to do. We are not going to sit by and just hope this blows over. We're going to move forward. I told you last week that as an act of faith, we are going to take 10% of what comes in this month, in a month where we desperately need it just to make ends meet, we're going to take 10% right off the top before we pay any bills, and we're going to give it to Denver Street School. So they are in store for a nice, a nice blessing at the end of this month. We don't know what that amount is. So here's where our current, our current snapshot, we are trying to figure this out, and it's difficult because some comes in online, some has been pledged but not quite given yet, so it's hard to know exactly where we are. But we are, we are about halfway, I would say, to our goal. And that's miraculous. In two weeks, we're already halfway to our goal. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, all of you who are hearing me. Those of you who are out of state, people we don't even know in person, brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world who are supporting us in prayer and financially. It's been so amazing to see those things happen, so thank you. I'll share in another week or two when it becomes a little more clear, I'll share exactly where we are so that everybody knows. But we're heading in the right direction, as I knew that we would. But for a church to thrive... Here's my message for today. For a church to thrive, it needs so much more than just finances. Amen? We know that it does. It needs so much more than that. that is a, that's a starting point. That's what enables us to have a building and keep the lights on and, and do those things. 
That is not all what the mission is about at all. It takes more than that. So another, in addition to finances, both both the one-time gifts and the recurring giving, in addition to that, what this church needs, what all churches need, but this one right here, what we need to push forward and take more ground and do more of what God has called us to do, we need the most precious resource of all. Anybody know what that is? That's you. That's each one of you. Out there online, each one of you. It needs all of God's people. Jesus teaches us that where where your attention is, where your priorities are, are a clear indicator of where your heart is. Now, that may be tough if you say, well, I'm, I, I work a lot, and my heart is to provide for my family. And so I work a lot. I work long days. I work every day. I, I do all these things. So you're saying that that's where my heart is? If it overrides your desire to be a part of something outside of yourself then yeah, that might be an indicator that your heart is in the wrong place. I'm not saying that we don't have to work. We all have to. And our goal should be, I'm going to provide for my family. But ultimately, our provider is the Father. Ultimately and 100%, He is our provider. And what we're called to do, whether it's our job or preaching or being a parent, whatever it is that He has called you to do, that is to be done for the glory of God. And just simply working more hours for more zeros in our bank account does not give God glory. What gives God glory is what we do with those resources. So when Jesus says this, Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That seems pretty straightforward, but when we're told to store up treasures in heaven, I bet many of us have a different picture of what that is. You ever think about when it it says treasures in heaven, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What does that look like? Anybody have any idea? Let's throw out some, yeah, what's treasure? Dude, did you guys hear that? That is awesome. I'm done. Amen. That is so good. That is so good. When I ask about it, people have different ideas of what that is. Some some say gold. Is it gold? Gold would be considered treasure here on earth, right? diamonds, jewels, treasure. Is that what Jesus means when he says treasures in heaven? Revelation 21 tells us that the streets in heaven are literally paved with gold. So does it make sense that Jesus would say, store up for yourself pavement? First service laughed at that. That was so good. They were fully caffeinated. You guys may not be, because it can't be me. Some say that it's good deeds. Some say it's the good things that you do. Store up for yourself a record of those good things that you do. Okay, that, and that might make sense. Things done in sacrificial service to others. I gave of myself. I gave of my time. I sacrificed for this person or for that person. That could be treasures in heaven. Some say it is the souls of those people who have been saved, specifically saved through your sharing the gospel with them. So there's all kinds of ideas, and and I think they're all correct in part. But really what it boils down to is I think that those treasures are God's people. What does God treasure? God treasures you. And the person sitting next to you, by the way, That's God's treasure. Deuteronomy 7.6 says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. 
The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Now, if you look at theology about what treasures in heaven is, it's all over the place. But I'm not alone in thinking this. There's a well-known pastor that says this, but heavenly treasure is other people. It's service to others, service in the church, caring, sharing, giving, spending time with people, pursuing their righteousness, caring about them above ourselves. Invest your resources in the souls of men and women who will someday greet you in heaven with thanksgiving when you arrive. What a thought. How's that for a picture of heaven? You've invested yourselves, your resources, your money, your time, your heart, your blood, sweat, and tears in someone who will greet you in heaven when you get there. I think that's exactly what treasures in heaven are. We're called to serve the Lord in humility, generosity, and putting the welfare of others before our own. There's a lot of scripture that talks about that one, Proverbs 11.25. No, I take that back. Philippians 2.3. Philippians 2.3. They were ahead of me. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, some translations say humility, let each esteem others better than himself. Okay, so we're taught to do that. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Now, selfishness goes far beyond just being stingy with our money. Far beyond. I would say the money issue of selfishness is is a very small sliver of it. It includes our time, our physical energy, and maybe the hardest thing to come by is our emotional energy. It's emotionally difficult to pour yourself out and make yourself available for somebody who needs it. It's so much easier just to literally write a check. But pouring in of yourself, giving of yourself, that's hard. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It's the idea... Some translations where it says refreshes, it talks about giving them water, water of life. And if you consider the desert that most of them lived in when that was written, water was a precious thing. And so to be generous with your water, that which gives you life, that was a big thing. So when Jesus talks about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I believe that he's talking about love and fellowship with one another. I think that's 100% what he's talking about. And so today, the rest of the message that I have, I want to talk about the importance of gathering together in person. Again, I know there are times and there are reasons where we don't gather together, in person that is, and I get that. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, there's nothing new under the sun. Anybody know that scripture? And it's meant to say any. It's not meant to say that technology, technology changes so fast. Yeah, that's new. But the idea, the idea, the heart issues, that's what he's talking about. There's nothing new under the sun. We live in a time and place where technology is growing in leaps and bounds every single day. How cool is it that you can have the sum total of the knowledge of the ages in the palm of your hand? Anybody my age or older remember when you, when you didn't know something? You wanted to know something. I wonder when Tom Petty's birthday is. I want to know that, okay? How do I find that out? Well, I go to my parents. Do you know? And they're like, who's Tom Petty? Okay. Well, <clears throat> that's not going to help. I guess I have to go to the library. And I have to go to the library and to the card catalog and look through and, oh, look, there's a, there's a book on, on rock stars and their, and their lives. I'll go look at that. You go to the shelf and that's oh, not there. So I got to wait two weeks or three weeks till it comes back, assuming I even care enough to wait for it, to get the answer to that question. Right now, though, there is no question that is beyond the palm of your hand. If you have a smartphone, you can know everything. And if not, you have a laptop or you have a computer 
The sum total of the world's knowledge is right in the palm of your hand for better or for worse. It's right there. We don't have to wait. But how that pertains to what I'm talking about today, let's look at worship music. Let's say you like, you like Hillsong. Let's say you like the old school hymns. Or you like, you like Christian rap. You like Lecrae and things like that. Maybe that's what you like. Dial it up right now. You don't have to come to church and watch our worship team as good as they are. You don't have to do that. You could watch it 24-7 anytime. Your favorite worship from anywhere in the world. What about your favorite preachers? You can get your favorite preachers 24-7. You don't ever have to leave your bed. Do you like Andy Stanley, Rick Warren, Ken Copeland, old school Pat Robertson, or even more? Do you like those guys? Watch them in your hand. You can watch the entire message archives. You can watch the entire worship library of your favorite artists without ever leaving your bed. But guess what you can't get? You can't get fellowship. See, this, the idea of this in-person church gathering in this incredible time and place is not your only place for good worship music and instruction, but it is the only place, is the only place you can become an active part of something bigger than yourself. You can't get fellowship at home. I don't care how much technology changes. I don't care how many Facebook friends you have. 700 Facebook friends are not going to show up at your house tomorrow and help you move. It's just not going to happen. Technology will not replace meeting together. When we shared testimonies two weeks ago, if you missed that, if you missed it, go back and watch that. It was so powerful. But you know what struck me the most? I kept thinking the testimony, and the testimonies were, tell us how this church has made a difference in your life. That's kind of how I guided that. And I expected to see all kinds of different answers. But every single answer that was given had this common thread of this community surrounded me when I needed them. I had prayer when I needed it. I had encouragement when I needed it. Some of it's physical help, some of it's financial help, but the idea of people gathering around you to help you through a time when you needed it, that was a common theme. Remember the two young men that spoke about their experiences? If you were here and you saw that, Two young boys talking about what this community meant to them. And that made my heart just want to explode in my chest. But then I was thinking, if I was a parent that had a younger one, I would be thinking, that's what I want for my kids. I want to surround them with that kind of a community so that when they grow up, they see that value. What parent wouldn't want that kind of influence? It's nothing new. The idea of community being important goes back to the beginning of time. We need to be reminded of that now and then. Scripture-wise, there's tons of it. It talks about community. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. We have that one on screen too. Let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, social media and technology are wonderful tools, but one word I never, I should say never, rarely see to describe social media is encouraging. It can be, certainly, like any tool, but that wouldn't be my go-to source to be encouraged. The Apostle Paul then, a little bit later, actually writes to the Colossians, Colossians 3, 15, 16. He says, let the peace of Christ, to which you were indeed called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's what a healthy church looks like. Gathering together, encouraging one another, teaching, singing, worshiping the Lord together. 
that's what a healthy church looks like. And it seems like it might be hard, especially when you look at everybody's schedules and what we've all got going in our lives this, these days. It's like, it's so easy to replace what's good and what's godly with the urgent things, with the fire that needs to be put out in our lives. That's a whole nother message right there. But we were given the tools to accomplish that when the church was born on the day of Pentecost. Now, if you know much about the Bible, you know in the upper room, after Jesus had left, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples in tongues of fire, an amazing picture of how that all happened. But that was the day when they were given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what will enable all of us to accomplish the things that we're called to do in the body. Here's how that looked. I'll read it to you. Acts 2, 41 through 47. It's a little bit long, but just I'll read it to you. So listen. So then, those who had received his words, that's Jesus' words, were baptized. And that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together and had all things in common. And they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all to the extent that anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love that picture. But in a natural fleshly state, that kind of devotion, that sacrificial devotion and love for one another would be impossible. Just in your flesh, it would be impossible to do that. When we receive Christ, we're given spiritual gifts to be used in the body. They're not meant to just have fun with, put in your trophy case and look at it. Paul describes it, 1 Corinthians 12. Read that on your own time if you want a bigger picture of the gifts. But here's how Paul describes the gifts and the reason, more importantly, that we're given them. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It doesn't say you're given a good gift so that you can show off with it or even just enjoy yourself. Verse 12 through 14. For as the body is one and yet has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, uh, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one part, but many. body is not one part, but many. Verse 18, but now God has arranged these parts, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. Verse 27, now just in case none of that was clear, now you are Christ's body and individually parts of it. The gifts you are given are meant to be used in a body to encourage and to uplift and for the common good of that body. For more on those gifts, Pastor Gabe kind of talked about the bedrock class. We've got that coming up, actually, end of this month. The flyers are out there on the, on the sheet. Grab one of those. It's important, and I'll tell you why here in just a minute. But I want you to join us. We'll talk more about the gifts and about various things there. Some days, though, in the body, in this body, in any body that God has called you to, you're going to be the one offering encouragement and help and prayer and a hug and a kind word, and advice, and maybe a business connection. There's so many things that go just beyond sitting next to somebody that God can do if you are physically present. But some days you'll be the one that needs the kind word. You'll be the one that needs the prayer, or the hug, or the encouragement just to continue, or the help moving, or whatever it is. But those things are not possible if you're sitting at home and you're not physically engaged with this body. It's important that you are here, physically here. That's how God works. The church 
The church physically gathering together is a tangible expression of the spiritual nature of God's body. The body of Christ, us. We are the people of God and we're called to something higher than just getting by. We're called to something much higher than just receiving our salvation and going, okay, cool, I've got that. And now I'm going to go on with my life. When you do that, you are called to be a part of a body. And we're taught and encouraged to be united in that faith of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So when we get to this point in our lives where we prioritize our convenience, for lack of a better word, over assembling with other people. Look, I get it. Assembling with one another here, Gabe and I have this term, it's people There's a lot of people here, and people can be difficult because people can want things from you. They can want your time. They can want your attention. They can want your energy. And some of us are just plain weird. But if we prioritize our convenience or our personal space, our personal bubble or whatever, if we prioritize those things over assembling with other believers, we are ignoring God's design for the church. That was God's design for the church. And worse yet, we start to accept this counterfeit idea that Christianity is just your personal thing. It's just about you. Christianity is not an individual pursuit. You ever hear somebody say, I'm spiritual but not religious? Usually, in my experience, that is by somebody who wants to justify their decision to live a life that's not challenging in any way. Because it's challenging to be a part of something bigger. Things are expected of you. But if you live a life that's not challenging to you, you want to sit in bed with your pajamas, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. Satan will even go further, and he'll use that attitude to keep you isolated. And I could preach over and over on what the dangers of being isolated are and how the enemy, once he separates you, he can have his way with you, man. And one evil that COVID-19 has wrought on the church and the world in general is to start normalizing this idea of being isolated. And he'll tell you, the world will tell you, that it's just wisdom now. Stay at home. It's safe. Be alone. Be careful. Don't interact with a lot of other people. And I'm not saying there's not wisdom in being cautious. There may be. But we start normalizing this idea of just being isolated. And when the devil has you there, without support, without encouragement, without grounding of people around you, Now, all of a sudden, he can start feeding you lies. And those lies are difficult to overcome on your own. Don't accept the lie that isolation is normal or that isolation is good for you. It's not. Anybody ever seen the animals in the zoo that have been isolated for far too long? They become stir-crazy. People do the same thing. And the evidence of that is you start seeing this outpouring of things that are not godly, things that are not spirit-led, that is just purely flesh. That's how you know that's starting to happen in your life. So don't accept the lie. We need you. This body needs you. His church needs you, and you need it. That's the truth. You are meant to be something, part of something so much bigger than yourself. And we are never, ever meant to do it alone. Ever. So we gather together on Sundays here to get a word, to get encouragement, to meet with each other. But there are other ways that we make to be a part of this body. We make events like, like bedrock, like prayer and worship nights, like Bible studies throughout the week, like classes, potlucks after service. We do all of these things. Anybody know why we do those? It's because Gabe and I have way too much spare time. I knew somebody would have that. We have have so much spare time that we're like, anybody with me? We have so much spare time that we need to manufacture things to fill up our time. You know that's not true. 
we do that. Our staff does that. Our volunteers do that intentionally to give you more ways to connect with other people in this body. Some of it's about teaching, sure. But it's ways to connect with this body because that's how God works in his people. But we need you. You need to see the flyer for the bedrock class and go, you know what, I'll do that because not only do I get fed, but I get to meet other people from this church. Okay, Pastor Gabe said I would talk more about that. I'm not going to give you much more detail. If you want, ask me. The flyers will give you all that detail. But at the very least, we feed you. Eight Wednesdays where you don't have to cook. We will feed you, but fellowship. That's the whole point of it. We get together. Sure, we'll talk about how to study the Bible, and we'll talk about the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk about healing gifts, and we'll talk about prophecy, different things like, yes, we'll talk about all those things, but in the context of fellowship and just eating and breaking bread and spending time with one another and encouraging one another, that's a huge part of it. And on that note, I want to tell you, we charge for it. It's $25 per person, but we do that to cover the expenses of eight meals, right? $25 just one time. If, though, if you have a friend, family member, relative, maybe it's you who can't pay that. Let me restate that. If you can't pay that, that's, I don't want that to be a hindrance. We will take care of that. But if you have a friend or a family member or if you're out there online and you don't go here and you want to give it a try, we will waive the fee for you. Okay, there's a promo code, friends and family, that you can put in at registration and that will waive the fee. Okay, so invite a friend, invite a neighbor, and just say, hey, come hang out at our church and have dinner with us. We make the way, but you have to make the effort, okay? So let me wrap up the message. Let me just be clear on the main points. Reiterate the main points here. Number one, you don't need the church for a relationship with God. You need the church for a relationship with his people. Secondly, you need the church to be an effective member of the body. Together, we can do so much more than we could individually. But then I think the last one, we are meant to share the load and the burden together. I think that's the most important. We're not meant to go through life alone. We're meant to share each other's burdens. Now, going back to the idea of treasures in heaven, what God treasures is his people. He treasures you, and he treasures the person sitting next to you. Look around. Look around at all these people. Even that person, even that one you're trying not to make eye contact with because they're a little off, that's God's treasure. God treasures that person. And if you look around and you don't see that person, it may just be you that's that person. I notice a lot of you looked right at me when I said that. This is a place where the children of God get to come together and get to experience his treasure. So I want to ask you now, I'll close up the message. Worship team, you guys can get ready. We got a couple things going on. Number one, we're going to pray in just a second. And I want you to be bold enough to ask the question. Ask the question. So many times we don't want to ask the question because we don't want to hear the answer. God, where do you need me to engage? Do you need me to engage physically? Do you need me to volunteer here? Or maybe it's just going to a class as a number one start, going to the Bedrock uh, series of, of dinners. Maybe that's the first thing, volunteering in a ministry. What it, maybe it's just physically be here. Wherever it is, let's be honest enough to pray and ask that question and then be obedient to what we hear. The Holy Spirit will lead you in that. Then secondly, and this is the cool part, there are two acts that are public in nature besides just gathering together that we get to do. We get to do this together. Number one is we get to celebrate communion together. Communion, remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross and being thankful for his sacrifice. And through that, we receive the Holy Spirit communion with his saints, and we are then called into this body. But then we also get to celebrate baptism. And so I want to ask you, so here's how it's going to work. We're going to pray first, 
Then we're going to take communion, and I'll guide you through how that works here in just a second. And then I want to ask you to stick around because we have not only one young man, but if anybody here is feeling that pull in their heart, like, I want to do this. Some of the coolest baptisms we do are those spontaneous ones where somebody just says, I just have to. And we can do it. We have it right up here. We've got towels. We will make a way. It's nice and warm out still. We'll make a way. But let's celebrate those things together. Let's celebrate being together. This is so much more than just something I have to do. It's something we get to do. And we are blessed to do it. And we are blessed to be a part of something bigger. So let's pray. Father, Father God, first of all, I praise you for the saints that are around me, the people that you have brought to this place, your treasure. Lord, help me to see your treasure the way that you do. Help me to see these people not as as a draw on my time or something to be avoided or a task that I have to do. Help me to see them as the blessing, as the treasure that you see them as. Father, help me to see my place in the kingdom. What you have called me to do in this body, Lord, help me to see what that is. And if it's not this body, show me a body that I can connect with. Show me where you need me, Lord. And my job then is to be faithful, and I promise to be faithful to what I hear from you. Father, I thank you that you choose to treasure us. You don't have to. You choose to treasure us, and you choose to treasure each one of us in the ways that you made us. Nobody is here by mistake. Nobody is a mistake. You called us all to this place and time, and I thank you for that, Lord. We praise you this day and every day. Jesus' name.